You're listening to the MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update Podcast with host Fifi Peters. Well, getting into the first set of results, and we begin with Motus. Now, this is a company that operates in most corners of the automotive business. So uh, from helping major car brands with their logistical services to running car dealerships across many parts of the world and also supplying the aftercare car market with parts and various accessories that help uh, you maintain your car. Essentially, well, that company didn't have a good day on the JSC, the stock finishing over 5% lower as investors reassess their expectations for the group following the release of their first half numbers. We do have the CEO, Mr. Osman Arby, uh, on the market update for more on the numbers. Osman, thanks so much for your time. I I just saw that you sold fewer cars, fewer new cars this time around, and fewer pre-owned cars this time around across your operating markets. Just uh, take us through the period that was and why car sales in your business were a little lower. Good evening to you and your listeners. So what happened in the six months to December 21, which is the comparative period you're comparing to, we had a lot of cars available to sell when our competitors were battling to get cars. Uh, and uh, we had a very good sales in that period. In the uh, uh, H1 of 20, up to December 2022, we had a shortage of vehicles in certain models. Had we had 5,000 more cars, we would have sold them, but we didn't have enough. Um, and, that, and our cars, quite a bit come from India, uh, some from Japan and some from Europe and some from Korea. So we had a shortage of cars that we didn't have. However, uh, the numbers in isolation don't tell the true story. Because if you look at the group's uh, revenue, we still grew by 14%. Our operating profit grew by 22%. And uh, the retail and the imported businesses also grew their profits quite significantly. So the cars we had, we sold them at good profitable rates um, through our dealership network. And because we were short of cars, we didn't supply enough cars to the car rental industry. So those are the cars that we didn't have, we couldn't supply. Uh, mm-hmm. And from January this year, the car supplies are starting to normalize. So we should be able to sell them through our dealership network and to supply car rental companies with the vehicles that they need. So okay. car numbers in isolation are misleading. Uh, the profitability tells the true story. Okay. It is interesting also that you uh, give us a bit of detail on consumer buying uh, patterns right now. You indicate that uh, consumers or some consumers are buying down and are moving away from uh, luxury uh, brands to more so uh, affordable brands, in quote. And uh, sorry sorry to interrupt you, but I just wanted to know if you reckon that was a function of the uh, cost of living crisis or a function of changing preferences. Okay, so this process of structural changes started three years ago, just before we went into COVID, and then we went into COVID, and now we seem to be getting out of COVID. So the structural change we're talking about where people are buying down from premium into more affordable type of vehicles like the Hyundai, Kias, Toyotas, VWs, Renaults, that trend started close to three years ago. And that was partly from an affordability point of view, and then... The brands that I'm talking about are providing good quality vehicles with a lot of extras and value for money is the key thing. And like, for example, the Hyundai comes with a seven-year warranty. Most of these vehicles come with three-year service plans. So quality is no longer 
left to the premium brands. There's good quality in the uh, the other brands as well. And the the reliability has improved over the years. So people are saying, should I spend a million rand on a car? Can I spend 800,000 rand on a car and still get a very decent vehicle? So that's happened over three years. So what we've got now is a structural change that has happened already. Now we're into business on the new base. And this is a new base for South Africa. Unlike in the UK and Australia, where they still sell the more expensive vehicles, because remember, they're bigger economies, wealthier economies, and people can afford to be fussy. But in South Africa, with our high interest rates, fuel costs, cost of living being uh, expensive, people have chosen to be more practical, and uh, they've made the structural change already. And yet, (laughs) you've just spent a whole lot of money on buying three Mercedes dealerships in Gauteng. So tell us a little bit about that in terms of how we should adjust our expectations for what these dealerships will deliver over time. So we were Mercedes dealers in Boxburg, the Glen, um, Bedford View. And what this has allowed us now is to capture Santon, Constantia, and Bryanston. And we have a truck dealership that we bought as part of this deal in Rodeport. So this means that it gives us the opportunity to consolidate our position, um, to move south around where we need to, and to capture a lot more of a bigger Gauteng area, where Gauteng being the most wealthy province, allows us the opportunity to grow and to grow with a premium brand like Mercedes, which is a very good brand, but gives us opportunities of synergies and allows us to capture a bigger area as well. So um, we're quite confident that the premium brand will do for us uh, well for us in the Gauteng region. All right. It wasn't cheap. Uh, and in fact, it has increased your debt levels and uh, your cost of paying that debt quite significantly over the period. You do indicate that you are comfortable with those levels. I mean, you're still within your credit limits. But I'd just like to understand, I mean, in this period of rising interest rates where it will make it even more expensive to service your debt. What's your thinking around your own debt and your balance sheet and bringing it down? Remember, we made acquisitions of 4.4 billion and the Sandown Motors was 715 million. A big portion of that comes from OEM. They give us a floor plan. So when you purchase, when you get the cars, they allow you a floor plan. So the check I wrote out was only 428 million. The big part of my purchase was done in the UK, where we bought the NPD business, which is in aftermarket parts. That means selling parts to cars outside warranty. So 3.7 billion looks expensive for that entity. Remember that the projected uh, income, the EBITDA, which is the income before interest and depreciation, is projected at 700 million. It's quite a material acquisition. Yes, it came with material borrowings, but once you buy an aftermarket parts business, they're cash generative. So you can use a lot of the cash that they make after tax, paying the tax man, you can pay a significant significant amount of your debt back. So as we're selling cars, we're making profits. Remember, Motus is the business that makes 5.5 billion operating income. And after it pays its interest and its tax, there's sufficient money 
to bring the debt down to comfortable levels. What we have in the short term, which was to December, where we did big acquisitions of 4.4 billion, but we've only got the income for two, two and a half months. So you've got the full borrowings with not all the income. But if you take it in the fullness of time to say June 2024, you'll have all the income. Debt will have been reduced by then. And you can bring your debt down by June 2024 to comfortable at 50% to, from debt to equity. So um, we're very confident that we've made the right decision in the acquisition because it's profitable. A, B, it's cash generative and our debts will get to reasonable level by June 2023 and June 2024 will be more comfortable. Okay. And you're not even trying to stop anytime soon. You indicate in your statement that you are uh, expecting to grow your profits in the year ahead. And you point to uh, further acquisitions being a part of that growth. So are you looking right now? Where are you looking? And uh, when can we expect you to announce the next deal? So we look at deals all the time, but you know what it's like for every 100 deals, we may do five or three. So we're currently looking, um, we can't look for big acquisitions in South Africa because in South Africa, you're controlled by the OEM, which is the original equipment manufacturer, being Toyota, VW, Mercedes, BMW. Uh, so they they'll only will allow you to grow to a certain level. So you can't grow much. You grow at their mercy. So then aftermarket parts, we're quite big in the country, very difficult to grow. So growth will now come from offshore because they we small players and we can become bigger players. Uh, in the UK, where we have operations, we have 110 dealerships there, plus a big aftermarket parts business. In Australia, we've got 36 dealerships and no aftermarket parts business. So that will be an, an area that we will be looking at as well. And the aftermarket parts business we like because it's cash generative, it's sustainable, and the car parks are quite big in the UK, 40 million cars. And in Australia, about 25 million cars. So we'll be fishing in a big pond in those regions. South Africa, great to do business, but unfortunately, due to our size, becomes difficult to grow in South Africa. Oh, not the uh, best of news, I suppose, for South Africans, but uh, I suppose significant news for your shareholders who are watching your space quite closely and looking at how you continue to deliver returns for, for them. Osman, we'll leave it there for now. Thanks so much for your time. So Osman Arbery, he's the CEO at Motors. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update podcast, uploaded weekdays at 7 p.m. For more MoneyWeb podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.